Welcome back to Whiteout Weekly, as we are here on our ninth glorious victory week after the Penn State Nittany Lions demolished the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, Crosstown Foe in Beaver Stadium on Senior Day. 27 Shout out to all six. the seniors as well. Shout out all the seniors and even those who walked on Senior Day who aren't technically seniors but may be walking and leaving the program. So. Mm-hmm. We thank you all for your services. A lot of news that came out of this one. We've got a big week ahead, rivalry week. Penn so State with a rivalry week. Rivalry week. Tough. I can never say it right. It's a tough one. Uh, Penn State's got a surprising Black Friday primetime matchup this week, which we'll get. Uh, into. It's on Black Friday too. I didn't. I didn't even know that. Black Friday. Black Friday at Ford Field. We'll get into that matchup, and much more. But coming out of this Rutgers matchup, a couple key storylines. We had a Drew Aller injury. We have Nick Singleton continues to struggle. And Chop Robinson continues to be an absolute menace coming off the edge. But before that and more, uh, I am Dave Barron, and I'm here with my, as always, esteemed co-host, Matty Martellucci. Matt, we're sitting at 9-2. and two. Got a couple question, couple more question marks coming out of this one. Offense mm-hmm. still a little stagnant in the absence of Mike Yurcich, but nonetheless, they get the win, they get the cover. Shout out Bo Pabula, the true cover king. It really is. It's amazing. What are your What are your thoughts? What are your concerns coming out of this matchup? So the injury to Aller, I definitely was concerned because it looked like a. It was a hand, right? Hand, upper body, a little bit of shoulder, a little bit of arm, uh, a little bit of everything. Yeah. So that sort of, you know, shook me a little bit. But uh, I see that he attempted to practice, or did he practice? He was in full pads from what I gathered today. Don't know how many reps he took, if any. This is Tuesday. Any of those throwing motions. Yeah, here recording on Tuesday, but everything that James Franklin has said and that the local Penn State media has gotten is that Drew Aller, the expectations that he definitely plays and will likely start on Friday against Michigan State. So doesn't indicate that that injury is too much of a concern or something that's that serious. So he should be good to go come Friday. Yeah, and I know a New Year's Six Bowl would be awesome again but if he has any kind of discomfort or you know hits the ground in a certain way and gets up kind of wobbly get him out put bow in let's watch him operate for a little bit and oh throw yeah let him he threw one pass yeah one pass the whole time he was in there it's crazy let him toss it come on but back to that uh chop robinson play he got around he timed that snap so i guess he was had the the count in his head because he timed that so perfectly he got off the ball and didn't even need to use his hand to bend to get around the tackle makes the sack all five of his tackles were defensive stops according to pff which is a negative play for the offense so he's rising to top 15 top 10 
area, I would say, in the first round. Maybe I'll yeah, be able to hype on him, but he's got all the goods. Yeah, for sure. Seeing a seeing a number of box, obviously they're all over the place depending on where you where you're getting them from, but seeing them as high as 12, 11, 20, definitely in that first round range. And if he continues to close out this year's campaign with a, a big game against Michigan State and then, like you said, a potential New Year's Six Bowl, hmm. expect him to definitely land in that first round and continue. Hasn't been a ton, but a nice little string of Penn State DNs to go in the first round. You had Adafe or Jason Owe now with the Ravens. Really, before that, it was maybe Aaron Maven with the Jets slash Bills. So, look at and continue yeah. that success at that DN role coming out of Penn State. We haven't had one in the past couple of years. But we could have a few coming off the board here. You got Chop, you got Adisa, yeah. who's had a strong senior campaign, and you got Deny Dennis Sutton, who continues to produce. And I think with a starting role next year, we'll take another leap but that's next year's problem but yeah chop has been an absolute menace coming off that edge yeah and deny did a sub he's gonna be a beast next year when he gets his full reps mm-hmm. another player i want to shout out was one of my impact underclassmen kevin winston jr starting at strong safety six tackles four solo two defensive stops they decided to throw at him once. He picked that pass off for his first collegiate interception. Awesome to see. And I think we got a guy in that strong safety spot. And we have a bunch of guys back there. But, again, looking a little bit ahead to next year, it could be a Kevin Winston Jr. Zaki Wheatley combination back there, which I would be in love with. That would be my ultimate combination. Yeah, he's been an absolute baller. And like you said, to see him get that first interception, that was a very cool moment for him to see. No, he's definitely stoked about that. Coaching staff was stoked. But since since game one of this season, wasn't necessarily the starter or hasn't been consistently the starter, but when he's in there, he's producing, and he's definitely separated himself from the rest of the pack. It's a loaded safety room. So to be the guy that steps out of there, and is becoming the guy very quickly. Lots, uh, lots of high praise and and good news moving into the next couple of years to come for for KJ Winston. Sorry, I'm looking up. There it is. Who is our interception leader currently? Go with Day Day Harding. Yeah, you get a half point. Dom DeLuca. Also has two interceptions, both of them tied for first. Double D. We'll edge to DeLuca because he does have a pick six. Yeah, for sure. That's crazy that he's up there. And then a bunch of guys walk after that. Um, two more shout outs that I want to give. Uh, another one to Dom DeLuca. His special teams play has been unreal this season. And there's a reason why he's wearing number zero. Definitely deserves it. And lastly, we have a whole segment called Around the Trenches, but I feel like we don't give enough love to our dudes in the trenches, the offensive line and the defensive line. 
Von Ellis, Kazai Izzard, Jordan Vanderberg, and Hakeem Beeman all contributed to stopping Kyle Monangai and Gavin Wimsett to 99 yards on the ground on 42 carries. So that's 2.4 yards per carry. And I got my crazy man notebook here. Going coming into the game, Rutgers was only allowing 94.2 rush rushing yards per game. Penn State giving up 75 rushing yards per game. Like I just said, we held Rutgers to 99. We went for 234 and three touchdowns. So that's a six yard average carry for us and a 2.4 yard average carry for them. So it's safe to say. We won the battle of the rushing defense. And with that, we're going to go around the trenches. Trenches on three. One, two, three. Woo! That regular gas. We run diesel premium only. Voice crack on the snap. Personal file. 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. So starting off, so we mentioned our beloved Nittany Lions have a primetime Black Friday matchup. So kicking off Black Friday at noon Eastern, we have our always famed Iowa Hawkeyes, who are currently at, as of now, Tuesday night, number 16 in the most recent college football playoff rankings. And will most likely end up as Penn State's best win in the season. So take that how you want, but it's the facts. It'll be our best one in the season. Hawkeyes at nine and two, six and two in conference play. That wait, that sounds very familiar to another team. Yeah, I think I think we're nine and two. Yeah, nine, yeah. yeah. This, this week would mean a lot more if you know the conferences were aligned a little differently more fairly we would actually be playing for something oh you but, mean if we were in the west and didn't have to play ohio state michigan every year yeah yeah maybe we wouldn't maybe we wouldn't have to be playing for something actually <laughs> but last year and iowa won has already clinched it right the big 10 swamp yes i believe they have enough of a lead in the west where they could falter in this one, but I know they definitely want a 10 win season. As is tradition for Iowa. As is tradition. Swamp Kings. Swamp Kings. Kings of the Swamp. Going up against Nebraska. Five and six overall, three and five in conference play. Matt Rule has been on a roller coaster of a season year yes. one in Lincoln, but knowing. Matt Rule, he would definitely love to get to a bowl game, have some sort of momentum heading into next year as he starts to bring in his own recruiting cycle. Uh, again, recording on Tuesday night. So current line for this one is Nebraska, two and a half point favorites. And Iowa, we did mention Iowa's in this matchup. So Matt, that over-under record just keeps going not up. But down. We got yeah, um, you want me to write your Iowa under right now? Yeah, lock it in. Pick number one. Yep. I'll mention it again just as a common courtesy, but you know I'm all over this. Over under 26 and a half. That's insane. 
26. You're telling me these two teams can't score four touchdowns? Nope. Jesus. They kicked off last week with a safety, Matt. They're not going over. (laughs) (laughs) The game was three to two at one point. Is there a name for this electric matchup? There is. It's the Heroes game. They are battling the Heroes game. Okay. They were battling for the Heroes trophy. Like fallen, I don't know, like fallen soldiers, or well, it started back in 1891. Ooh. This is the 54th matchup. They played a number of these matchups through the World War II era, so one would think that this is for the beloved service men and women during that time. Yeah, but actually, the trophy instead honors. The hardworking citizens of both Nebraska and Iowa who exemplify what it means to be an everyday hero. So it's your mothers, your fathers, your brothers and sisters strapping up the lunch pail, working that blue-collar union gig from 9 to 5 for those people. Wow. I like that. I like that a lot. (laughs) The Heroes Trophy might be my third favorite trophy. What it's all about, yeah. and that's what it's all about, and that's what you find in the Big Ten West. And in this heroes matchup, Nebraska leads the all-time series thirty to twenty, and there's actually been three ties, which is definitely not surprising. Actually, it's surprising that there's not more ties yeah. than three. Ten, ten, ten. <laughs> Nebraska won last year's matchup twenty-four to seventeen. The other and final key storyline in this one is no, it's not Kirk Ferentz going for another 10-win season, another Big Ten title game berth, but it is his son, Brian Ferentz, who, as we've mentioned numerous times this season, has a contract incentive. Oh, the points. And more than likely, not just an incentive, but a requirement for Iowa to average 25 points per game over the course of the season. Wait, like a requirement or also get fired? I believe so. <laughs> in there, I assume I that it would that you get fired. <laughs> How would you sign that? I don't think that's in the bylaws, but we shall see. <laughs> Iowa currently has 240 total points on the season for a whopping 21.8 points per game. So if my math is mathing for Brian Ferentz to meet that incentive, Iowa would have to throw up a 60-burger in this one, which we just know is not going to happen. So he will likely not meet that clause of the contract, but Iowa likely will finish off 10-2 and and have another trip to Indy as the Big Ten swamp representative. I, I failed on my job of looking up coaches with point incentives but a lot of them are just gpa <laughs> like over 2.9 the team having over 2.9 not a lot of not a lot of point ones mm. i think that was like a one in a lifetime yeah contract <laughs> <laughs> so let's head to the midwest to me soda as wisconsin Six and five, four and four in conference play. Plays the Golden Golfers. Golfers. 
five and six, three and five in conference play. So they play for Paul Bunyan's axe. And I know for a fact that Michigan and Michigan State play for, I think it's just called the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Mm -hmm. This is so much cooler. Why would you want Paul? You have his axe. You have what makes Paul Bunyan Paul Bunyan, like the tool that makes him Paul Bunyan. Otherwise, he's just a bumbling giant walking around. You want what the man wields. Yes, exactly. This is such a cool trophy. I don't know why. I mean, they don't really deserve it, Michigan, but Mm -hmm. they don't deserve an axe that cool. They would steal it. (laughs) (laughs) So this will be the 134th meeting of the Battle of the Axe, which Mm -hmm. started toss on the old school film filter in 1890. And this matchup all time is 62 to 62 and on top of that it is eight ties so crazy matchup buckle in for wisconsin minnesota for the battle of the axe gonna be a big one especially because first year head coach for wisconsin luke fickle definitely wants to start that career with a winning record and a record above 500 in Big Ten play, while on the other side, Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck needs this game. He is definitely on the hot seat in my eyes. His only double-digit win season came in 2019. They went 10-2, shared the Big Ten West title, and ended the season ranked 10th after beating Auburn in the Outback Bowl. But since then, Three and four in the COVID season, and we complain all the time about being, you know, 10-win team, 10-win team. He's had back-to-back eight-win seasons going to the guaranteed rate bowl and our favorite, the pinstripe bowl last year. He's rowing that boat right into a riptide. Yeah, he's – I think this is a a game that he's coaching for his job. Right here. Mm-hmm. Ski you ma. Long, Maryland Rutgers, both six and five and three and three in the Big Ten. Don't have a trophy. They're still working on, you know, something cool. A scarlet ter- terrapin, probably. Scarlet <laughs> turtle. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I'd I'd be to dig that. Turtle standing guard. Um so both with the same record after this game, one team's going to have somewhat of a disappointing season, finishing six and six, while the other will have a somewhat successful season at seven and five in the Big Ten East. So last year, Maryland dominated Rutgers, winning in College Park thirty-seven nothing. The Terps are seven and four all time against Rutgers, and despite. The Big Ten alignment with the Pac-12 teams coming in. These teams will meet again next year. Rutgers has lost the last two. But since 1920, again, old film, they have never lost three straight in this series since 1920. And cue the clip of that Buffalo Bills guy 
<laughs> from the 90s when they're playing the Patriots in the playoffs. Patriots beat him twice. He goes, we're going to go into Jacksonville and we're going to boat race them. We're going to boat race them in Pittsburgh, sharpie it in. In New England, it's hard to be the team three times. It's hard to be the team three times. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite clips. Love it. I'm gonna put it in there. Just want to say, if you subscribe to What Out Weekly, you're not only getting Penn State and Big Ten content, you're also getting a free history lesson in this one. Yeah, we're going 1890s, 1920s. We're all over the place here. <laughs> Keeping you down that history path, we take you to another Big Ten West toilet bowl matchup. Where we have the Indiana Hoosiers, who currently stand at three and eight, one and seven in the Big Ten against the Purdue three and eight. To be honest, me too. Me too. And you get the Purdue Boilermakers. We're at three and eight, two and six in conference play, fighting for the old oaken bucket. Really, old oaken bucket. <laughs> Might as well just be the bottom of the bottom barrel of the yeah. trophy. But, oh my god! Uh, this one stemmed from alumni from both schools felt that a bucket from an Indiana well was a suitable prize to the winner between these two flagship public universities within the great Hoosier State. A bucket and... of water. No, no. <laughs> And the main storyline from this one is you got Ryan Walters trying to end year one at the helm at Purdue on a high note. And you got Tom Allen, who just has seemed to have been at Indiana for a century now. Could this be his last hurrah if the Hoosiers do lose this one and go to three and nine? It's a very tough school to win football games at. When you have students who don't show up until, if anything, after halftime, can't get any recruits. He's done an admirable job, but does does this university move on, or are they just okay with four four and eight or three and nine football? They, I think they got to shoot it up. The test. Yeah, we'll I see. Think- but currently in this one, again, recording on Tuesday night, we got the Boilermakers at three and a half point favorites in the old Oaken Bucket matchup. I just looked, up, I just looked up Indiana's other uh, trophy is against Michigan State. It's the old brass spittoon. <laughs> they just have the weirdest, tro- ugliest trophy room ever. You win both One of those in the area, you got a good-looking trophy case. <laughs> it's crazy. Not much else to celebrate there. But uh, <laughs> last one before we get into the game is we got the Illinois fighting Illini at the surprise story of the Big Ten, definitely the Big Ten West, definitely the Big Ten, probably the country, if we're being honest, this year is the Northwestern Wildcats. Who are, despite all the turmoil, despite Pat Fitzgerald getting fired to begin the season, despite having an interim head coach and players leaving the program, you got Northwestern going bowling at six and five. You can't believe that. Four and four in the Big Ten. They got a chance to go seven and five here, Matt. 
in my brain they've been one one and four one and five like every week yeah i guess because i lost on two bets on them so <laughs> oh, i burned in my you brain got this uh you got this interstate matchup against the illini who are five and six three and five in the big ten trying to go bowling we got the land of lincoln trophy which began in 2009 and this trophy was decided on by fans of both schools and hear me out here's the other options that the land of lincoln trophy edged out and the land of lincoln trophy it's modeled after of course former like president Abraham lincoln it's an authentic okay. hat it edged out these are the three options we had the president's trophy don't like it which would have been named after the four presidents that came from the great state of Indiana. We have the the popcorn bowl, which of course is the official state snack of Illinois. How could I have forgotten? Would have been a great popcorn bucket trophy. Great trophy option. And then you had the Graham Grange fire bell, which would have been named after two of the greatest players from each school. Last name Graham and Grange, and of course, Firebell, <laughs> which is why not Firebell? <laughs> At first, I thought it said Fireball. I was like, "Whoa, okay, Firebell." They're getting after it. And this trophy, like I said, was instated in 2009. It yeah, wait, wait, we've been going back to 1890, 1920. Now, 2009. Well, I'm gonna take you back. Because okay. they did have a, a former trophy that they played for from 1945 to 2008. They played for the Sweet Sioux Tomahawk, which That's was just trophy. an absolute fire trophy to play for. That is a but it trophy. was retired in 2008 out of respect for Native American culture. Okay. That's the way that we're trending. So Good move, Good move by them. Good move by them. But still, that, that is the coolest trophy I've ever heard of. Yeah, a Sweet Sioux Tomahawk. Wow, that is a sweet trophy. Uh, and my again, rival, that the axe, yeah. And for this matchup, we got the Illini currently sitting at a five and a half, almost a touchdown favorite in this one. But do not count out those Northwestern Wildcats. Head coach Ryan Braun getting the full time gig, getting the extension based on the work that he's put in, definitely well earned, well deserved. But yeah, that leads us into the biggest matchup of the Big Ten this weekend. Uh Number two, Ohio State at number three, Michigan in Ann Arbor. Finally, we get to see some other fans yell at each other and not yell at us. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Spread I'm seeing. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, Dave. Three and a half. Michigan favorite and Juice 105. Yeah. So that's probably going to go down to three if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. Minus 110. And then the over under 48. Yep. Right on the money. So, yep. You go first with your prediction because I got mine locked and loaded. Yeah. So for this one, Michigan definitely struggled last week against Maryland. Did not blow them out by any means. 31-24 victory unscathed. Ohio State blew out Minnesota. Minnesota. 
37 to 3. So a couple different storylines heading in this one. Big one in here. Obviously, you know what's going on with Michigan and the sign stealing scandal. Michigan has won the last two of this matchup. Look mm-hmm. at them again, three in a row. Hard to beat a team three times. Hard to beat a, hard to beat a team <laughs> three times. And I'm sticking with that story because something in me, in my heart of hearts, oh. not really hard of hearts because I hate both these teams, but yeah. I don't think that Ryan Day goes 0-3 here. I know this one's in yeah. Ann Arbor. It's a Fox Big Noon kickoff. It's one I know most of America would say it should be a primetime matchup. Obviously, it's two versus three, and you would want that. But I think Ohio State comes to play. He doesn't have a Lou Holtz bulletin board material I, here. I have to ask, is is there a uh, 80-year-old coach from Michigan that's talking crap on Ohio State somewhere? No, but maybe Lee Corso <laughs> will put something out there. Oh, no. And fill oh, the void. Lee, no. don't do it. <laughs> But I think Ohio State comes to play in this one. I know the over-unders, as we mentioned, is at 48. I think this one's going to be a high-scoring affair. Really? I My prediction here is Ohio State wins this one 52-45. Whoa! I think Marvin Harrison Jr. has a big game. I think Trevion Henderson has a big game. And these offenses go Back and forth, defense out the window, and it's just a good old slobber knocker Big Ten East affair. But Ohio State, I think, wins this one ultimately at the end of the day. Ooh, okay, we got opposite. What you got? We got opposite theories here. Ooh. I think both these teams are going to pound the rock. Mm. Trivion Henderson back, pound the rock with him, make Michigan come up and defend. Then you got Maserati, Marv, running slants, running go routes. But we saw it firsthand. If Michigan wants to, they can go seven linemen and just run the ball down your throat. And that saying that Joe Klatt said is never going to leave my brain, that Michigan is a boa constrictor. So I do agree that this is going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as 50, 52 to 45. But I think it's going to be, you know, back and forth, touchdown, down four, down three, you know, and then it's going to come down to Kyle McCord getting rattled, as we've seen, and throwing an errant pass that gets intercepted. And Michigan, I think, comes away with the victory here Ooh. in the big house. All right. But enough about those schools. We don't like them. Let's mm. talk about our school. Penn State faces Michigan State, as Dave said, at Ford Field for the Battle of the Land Grant Trophy, which started back in, we're going back again, 1914. Spread on this game, I'm seeing 20 and a half. Penn State favored, Dave. Mm-hmm. And then the over-under, 43 on the dot as of Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So, Sparty, obviously having a tough season 
with a four and seven record. They are two and six in the Big Ten. But they've won two of three of their last three, with their one loss being that absolute beatdown against Ohio State. So these players aren't lying down, despite the circumstances, despite everything that's going on. They're coming to fight every Saturday, and honestly, that's very commendable. Um, I thought this was going to be an easy last game of the season when the news broke at the beginning of the season. I think it's going to be a little tougher. So, Dave, your impact player for Michigan State. Yeah, so, well, first of all, quick little fun fact about the Lang Grant. So, if you were to take the spread in this one, 20 and a half, and the over-under, so you got 20 and a half and 43, that's 63 and a half, that still would be less than the weight of the Land Grant Trophy. Wow. The Land Grant Trophy weighs a, a whopping 72 pounds, man. Holy 72. Jeez. So I just had to throw that little fun fact in there. They're, they're building that. We're like, oh, we, we made this way too this big. This is way too big. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stop now. I just got to keep going. <laughs> just keep going. Add more. But anyway, uh, for Michigan State, impact players in this matchup, starting off at tight end, Malik Carr, M-A-L-I-Q, Malik, six foot six, two hundred sixty pounds, big boy, and at the tight end spot, that is a had a big, big, big week last week against the Hoosiers. Seven catches, hundred nineteen yards, two tutties. Was also named Big Ten Player of the Week. So definitely someone to keep an eye out for. Yes. I don't think he's one that this defense will struggle with, but definitely someone to keep an eye out for this week. But I think Manny Diaz and and crew will have a good game plan, a good scheme against him, but definitely someone to to pay close attention to. There's no joke. joke. Can't teach size. He's he's definitely got it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then lastly, we have the brother tandem, the Mangum brothers. We got Jaron and Jaden. So first off, we got Jaron at the running back spot, 6'2", 235 pounds, stepped in for Nate Carter, who I believe left that, exited that game. Not sure if it was an injury concern or just a benching. I believe it was an injury. So I didn't see that. So we will see as the week progresses what his status is. For this one, especially with it being a short week with the Friday matchup, Jaron, no, not any type of numbers that'll pop off the page, but was definitely heavily involved when he got in. Twelve carries, twenty-seven yards. So again, nothing to write home about. But five catches, thirty-three yards. So someone to keep an eye on. And then his brother, definitely more so of an impact on the defensive end, Jaden Mangum at the cornerback spot. Four yes. interceptions on the season and seven total passes defensed at 6'2", 185 pounds. Definitely one of the main bright spots of this Michigan State defense who isn't that great of a defense, but at the secondary spot and as a defense as a whole, he's definitely one of the key guys to to look out for. Yeah, that that is an NFL 
size frame right there. 6'2", 185, yep. four picks. So yeah. he's all hawk too. I'm going to go on the offensive side. And correct me if I pronounce this wrong. Wide receiver Montori Foster Jr. A plus pronunciation. A plus. Nailed it. Yeah. So in November, he has been absolutely destroying it. And this is with a one catch, 11 yard performance against Ohio State. So he has 12 catches for 198 yards and two touchdowns in the month of November. That's good for 16.5 yards per catch. And I know Lockdown U has been on its game, locking down literally everything. But like you said, they do have that big boy tight end as well as this wide receiver. And I was looking up his stats and I saw something weird. And I have a little question, kind of a riddle, more of a question. What do it's a question? It's not a riddle. <laughs> <laughs> what normally happens when a team like Penn State, a high-powered offense like or a high-powered team like Penn State faces an inferior opponent? You sure it's not a riddle? I'm sure I'm positive it's a question. <laughs> <laughs> There's an answer. They crumble at the hands of defeat. They do do that, but they also run trick plays my friend ah. and he has a pass this year Ooh, they have a trick play up their sleeve and what week to pull it out than the final week of the season mm-hmm. against penn state so watch out for that i'm calling for a monterey foster jr pass last game of the season that's no reason gonna hold back that's a bold prediction <laughs> Um, let's get away from the Sparties. I don't want to talk about them anymore. Let's go into some Penn State mismatches that we're going to take advantage of. Yeah, so for me, less of really a mismatch and more of, uh, hey, this would be a cool story and also an expectation of what's to come. But I'm expecting a king-sized homecoming as we have Kaelin and Kobe, the brothers, who went to high school in Detroit at Catholic High School. So they'll be playing at Ford Field in Detroit. It's a very cool story here. sure they'll have a ton of friends and family in the stands. It's sick that they're playing at Ford Field, too. So, yeah, they can get more tickets and a lot more family can come. Yeah, so NFL environment. Kobe, who has had a big season, definitely has – taken that middle linebacker spot by storm away from Tyler Elston had a big week last week against Rutgers with 10 total tackles should continue to be a force with Sparty's lack of a running game and really lack of an offense for that matter. So expect him to have some additional big time plays in this one. Yeah. It took the words out of my mouth. He's we, we really haven't talked about him much on the podcast, but he is having a stellar season, absolutely stellar season as the MLB. Michael. Big time year. Yep. And then for Kalen, who doesn't, again, like we mentioned, hasn't really had his stats as he's really just shut down half the field for most of the year. But going up against a true freshman quarterback in Kaden Hauser, who did throw two picks last week against IU 
has thrown four picks on the season in limited action. Uh, really looking for a moment here where Kalen baits the freshman QB into throwing a in a uh, ill-advised pass of of you know of of that nature. But I expect Kalen have a big backing time off, pick backing here. off a hitch a little bit, and then he throws it bang. Backing off a hitch and making a big time play, like, like I mentioned, in front of his friends and family. But I think the Kings so awesome. show up big time. I think it's an easy narrative to write, but I think I would expect that both of these guys show up in a big way in this matchup. Yeah, that would be so awesome if that happened. Pick six from Cannon King or a sack fumble from Kubi King. Yeah. Either way. My mismatch is going to be. Sort of, you mentioned uh, Jaden Mangum, who is definitely a force to be reckoned with. Reckoned with, I think he's a future first round pick for sure. Um, but overall, Michigan had Michigan State. I keep getting Michigan and Michigan State confused, and it's annoying me. Michigan State, their pass defense. Averaging or allowing over 242 yards per game. So if there's any game that we can find a wide receiver to, it's this game. Because your guy, Jaden, is going to match up with Keandre Lambert-Smith. And we need... Do we have an update on Trey Wallace, his injury? No update. My expectation would be that he'd be out this week as well. So, again, another week where you have an opportunity for a wide receiver to step up. And his rooms continue to be a question mark. So, would love to have Trey Wallace in there. But, again, leaves leaves the door open for mm-hmm. more opportunity for someone to, to step up. And speaking of the wide receiver room, uh, last week – that throw to Dante Cephas in the end zone. Mm-hmm. You jump up and grab the ball. Yeah, like he was wait. He was waiting for that pass he had the other week, where it was you know fading into his mm-hmm. hand. But jump up and grab that thing. Come on, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, Eden Saunders, his snap count's been low, lower than low. Like, what's going on with him? Yeah, I think his snap count in the Rutgers matchup was. Four or five on the offensive side of the ball. And Ooh. as we know, he's lost special teams duties. I mean, to no fault of his own, but Daquan Hardy's just been a game breaker at the punt returner spot. So he's lost that yeah, opportunity as well. So don't know if it's something that he's not getting done on the practice field or whatever the case may be. But you no, know, we, I know myself, but definitely we and a lot of Penn State fans expect a lot out of Caden this year. He's shown up. He's shown some glimpses. He had that touchdown catch in garbage time against Ohio State, but he showed up in some big moments. But to see a snap count, especially with a wide receiver room, that's so much in question to be that low in a matchup against Rutgers is definitely concerning. And we're still just sitting here just waiting for, for someone to step up, especially with a guy like KLS, who is the leader of that room. But let's be honest, over the last couple of weeks, hasn't really been able to get that separation and hasn't been able to make those big time plays that we were seeing in the beginning of the year. 
So a lot of work to be had and looking for some guys to step up in these last couple games here to build some momentum heading into next season. Yeah. And um, last name I want to say in that group, Omari Evans, that catch last week was unreal. So, yeah, I'm just hoping we have obviously a controlled game plan, but I want to feed these young players and see who steps up as a number two wide receiver. Yeah. And finally, the Big Ten betting bonanza is all but decided. And we will get into the greatest betting competition on planet Earth right up next. It is week 12 of the Big Ten betting bonanza. Second to last week as we have our Big Ten Championship special coming up when that happens next week, right? Or is it a, a bye week between? I think there's a bye week in between. Okay, so in two weeks, sorry. And yeah, like I said before the break, Dave has taken this thing over. I don't know if you remember last podcast. You took Northwestern money line, and I warned you. I was like, I had done this before. Took them plus 14. They screwed me. Guess what? They went straight up. Straight up victory for Northwestern. That's a plus seven. He also hits his favorite bet of all time, the Iowa Rutgers under 29 and a half. That hits. It was nine nothing at halftime. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, knew you were going to win. <laughs> and then the under right you had the under in 46 in Penn State mm-hmm. so a perfect 3-0 record a single week record for the Big Ten betting bonanza nine points absolutely incredible the Croatian bear is 19 and 14 at betting straight up Big Ten games that is an incredible record for even a pro better. And he has 29 bonanza points, meaning he's up tons of units. I'll calculate them later and show them on the bottom. But the kid's an absolute killer. Follow his picks this week. Fade mine. I went one and two last week. Had Penn State money line. Sadly, had to take it. I also had the Nebraska money line, which... I hated that. That was just awful. Lost that bet. 13-10. Oh, this is back to week 11, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, I'm 14-18-1 and one with 16 bonanza points to Dave's 29. Stick a fork in it. It's done. I'll be sending that dumbbell that's sitting in my apartment in Philadelphia to Dave. That should be a task in and of itself. But I'm not giving up yet. Swing for the fences. We got this week, Big Ten Championship Special next week. But Dave, let's let's kick it off with you. Let's do it. Week number 12. Uh, first off, I do stand correct. The Big Ten title game is actually next Saturday, Saturday, December 2nd. So there is no bye week. So... Uh-huh. 
we'll get to have all that fun next weekend. Great. I need I need a week off. <laughs> I need a week off to gather myself to beat you in this. <laughs> uh first pick wasn't joking earlier. Yeah, I Iowa Nebraska under 26 and a half. Not much more to be said about that one. Give me it all day long. Yep. I'm going to roll with, like I said, PJ Fleck needs, absolutely needs to win this game. He's five and six. If he gets that six win, he's bullet eligible, possibly safe from being fired. So I'm going to take Minnesota money line plus 114. Okay. Golfers. Are you seeing the same thing? Yep. All right, for pick number two. I just think it's a a desperate situation. Hungry dogs run faster. He needs this win. I agree. I had that on my board as well. Snagged it for me, but let you have that one. Pick number two. I'm going to continue to ride the hot hand with the Wildcat train. Not going to be bold enough to take the money line here, but I think this will be a lower scoring affair and a tight matchup. I'm going to take the Northwestern Wildcats plus five and a half at the Fighting Illini. So that's what I was saying. It's a very weird spread. Very weird spread. With the Fighting Illini minus five and a half against the Northwestern team that's clicking right now. Mm hmm. Um, so I'm really tempted to take fighting a line at minus five and a half, but that's only one point and I need home runs. So here's a fun fact for you. The underdog in Michigan and Ohio State is six and one against the spread with three straight up wins over the last four. So I'm taking... Your theory, I totally messed with you through that way. Think I'm taking Michigan, Ohio State, money line. Oh, let's go. That was a look this way, throw that way. <laughs> think I'm taking Michigan, I'm hyping them up with their seven linemen. No, I think Ohio State wins this game. Oh, shit. Straight up 140. Damn. All right. Didn't see that coming, huh? No, not at all. Holy hell. Yeah, I okay. think Maserati, I think Maserati mob, mob and goes off. And that's yeah. going to be the game breaker, as well as Kate Stover. Yeah, no, that's a good pick. I like that. All right. Uh, last pick. I am going to go with the Maryland Terps, who are in Piscataway. I-95 matchup here, but I think the Terps get it done. This one's pretty much a pick em. Again, as we continue to mention recording on Tuesday night, I think this line will get closer and closer to a pick em. Beat the team three times. They're going to beat the team three times? Yes. (laughs) I'm taking the Terps minus one and a half at the Scarlet Knights. Great Um, Yeah, I agree. I think that's going to become a pick em. By the time this comes out. All right, that was on my board. All right. So, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because I don't know if I have the up to the. 
odds. But that fr- that Black Friday, the noon game. Mm-hmm. Iowa, number 16. Underdogs? Question mark? Mm-hmm. Plus two and a half against Nebraska? Nine and two? That doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. So they're literally begging me to take Nebraska. Or Iowa, excuse me. And I'm having such a sucker season that I'm gonna I'm sucked in taking Iowa money line plus one ten. Oh again, fade my bets. Fade my bets if you want to make money. <laughs> I'm swinging for the fences. Godspeed, brother. All plus threes right there. Just about <laughs> your one week. <laughs> oh, out of control. You had your last pick? Oh, yeah, it's Maryland. Yeah. Well, that will do it for the last regular season episode of Whiteout Weekly. We had another awesome, awesome year doing this. We love podcasting, love talking Penn State football. And like I always say, we are going to do this until the wheels fall off. We could talk Penn State football for hundreds and hundreds of years. So get used to it. Thank you so much for supporting us on wherever you do, however you do it. From the bottom of our hearts, we truly thank you. It's been another incredible season. Not over yet. But we will see you next week, hopefully, after a Spartan victory and New Year's Six Bowl bid. Let's go, State. New Year's Six. That's what James Franklin does, baby. New Year's Six and 10 wins. That's what Franklin does. Lock it up. Thanks, guys. See ya. See ya.